What's up, it's Chapo. I gotta be honest with you. One thing that I was trying to stay away from with a 10-foot pole was this whole Leaving Neverland um, documentary and these two boys resurfacing now talking about Michael in such a way. Like, that was one thing at first when, like, you know, I'm over it and I'm tired, you know. Not only as a Michael Jackson fan, but, you know, in my mind, as long as, as far as I'm concerned, like, the Jacksons are family. Every single scandal that Michael Jackson has been through, Jan or whoever, I've I've stood by them. I don't care how weird Jermaine's hair be looking these days, child. I already know. You ain't got to tell me, you know. I still stick by them because before I loved Jan and I loved Michael, you know, and I know as a child, because growing up with these two men, I was in that generation and growing up, Michael in the nineties for kids growing up in my generation was everything like he was magic. And when you're a kid and you already have like a celebrity, like maybe kids now they have Beyonce and celebrities they look up to, that's one thing. But if Beyonce was um, extremely kid-friendly, and I don't mean just girls or boys in particular, but I just mean extremely, like, you know, like, in, in this, or already he just had this, come on, like, this, autumn, this amazing aura that we'll never see again in any star. You'll never, ever see that again. You know what I mean? And I hate the way that they just tear him down. But my point is, like, you don't see that. So as a kid, to see somebody in such a high statue... To be able to just be able to be like, hey, kids, what's up? How you doing? You know what I mean? Like, that was a big fucking deal. You know, like, these days, people watch award shows. And, 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 and I mean, like, I know Diana Ross is at the Grammys. And I'm telling you, that's amazing. Shit like that is amazing that you can even still see shit like that. But in my day, I was watching the VMAs and Janet and Mike was coming through. You know what I'm saying? Like, Michael was coming through. And that's when you really wanted to watch the Grammys. And that's when you really wanted to watch the um, American Academy Awards and stuff like that. Because that's when you really saw, like, real legends star power figures who are not at the club every weekend showing up on tmz they certainly wasn't faking fake you know celebrity attacks or hate crimes or anything like that like they was just real like genuine people and so i said you know what not only did i not want to touch it with a 10-foot pole i don't want to talk about something i don't know about feel me even with this justy case i take time to read articles with with um uncle kells i do the same you know what i mean like i go and i do some research or whatever i read i share what i read and i share my thoughts on what i read but i never just talk on shit that i have not absolutely at least got some glimpse of information on from somewhere and it was the same thing um you know with this documentary i don't want to talk about something that i didn't see i don't want to just say fuck them because i'm still saying fuck them after i've seen it but i don't just want to be like you know fuck them and step off if i don't want to see it i gave them a chance by sitting down today and watching this two-part bullshit-ass documentary. And yo, I am livid. I was so livid before I came on here that I had to literally go to, like, a Michael Jackson station and just sit there. Because, like, I was like, you need to build me back up. So, like, I'm dancing. I'm, like, singing and everything. And so I feel, like, mad pumped up. And the first song that I played was Leave Me Alone. I said, tell me what, tell me what you want me to tell him, Mike. Like, like, I'm right here. On top of that, dumb niggas are stupid as fuck because Michael Jackson ain't dead, but we ain't going to get on that. No, I'm not one of those Elvis freaks shit. I'm telling you what I know. The man is brilliant. And I see now, I know now, Mike, why you did what you had to do around this is it. You know, I, w- I cried like a fucking baby when the man fucking di- Nobody, my mom will tell you, I used to sit there as a kid and get VHS tapes. Remember when you used to, there was, remember when there was no DV fucking R? There was no DVR, there was no TiVo, there was none of that shit. 
If you wanted, there was no on demand, none of that shit. If you wanted to catch your shit and you wanted it for yourself without having to buy it somewhere because your family didn't want to buy it for you, you had to get a blank motherfucking VHS tape, motherfucker, or you had to get a blank cassette tape. And you would sit there with your blank cassette tape in your little radio and you would listen to your favorite radio station. You'd wait till your favorite fucking song come on. Come on, somebody who's from my generation. You had to hit record and play at the same fucking time. At the right damn time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you made yourself a little mixtape. That's just what we did. And then as the generations and technology advanced, we did um C- we burned CDs and whatever. And then you had VHS tapes that you could get blank. You stick them shits in your VCR. Same concept. Hit record and play at the same time. You record whatever the fuck you want. My mom would be the first one to tell you. She was dragging me to the stores to get VHS tapes by the bulk because... If VH1 or, or MTV or um, here in New York, I can't remember who it was, but like there was like um, box some shit like back in the day. You know what I mean? Like whoever that my mom got me. A v- I recorded every fucking Michael Jackson video from the beginning of time from the Jackson five. I was like nine years old. Then I made my mother fucking sit down. I'm not my mother fucking. I made my mother fucking sit down on the couch with me one night and watch the whole shit with me. My mom is such an amazing lady, especially being an Haitian woman, because she sat there with me for like four hours trying to fight sleep. And sometimes she did fall asleep. And I would just say, Mom, you're falling asleep. And she, no, no, I'm not sleeping. And she would humor me and watch some more. But like my mom would be the first one to tell you like the Biggest Michael Jackson fan ever. Child, I tried to run away. Me and the girl in sixth grade, her name was Melissa Monteleone. That was my Italian bestest friend ever. We said in sixth grade at the end in June, the last day of school, we said, listen, girl, we're going to meet up this summer and we're going to run away to Neverland because we just knew that Michael Jackson was going to accept us. We understood. It's just like kids just had like this unspoken language of Mike. I don't give a fuck what adults saw in Mike. Like, by the time he was in the 90s, like, kids just, it was just like he had a cold with us. You know what I'm saying? So we knew that if we just showed up there and said we're some babies and we want to see Mike and we came all the way from New York, (laughs) Long Island, (laughs) that they would just be like, Mike, there's some babies out here. I don't know where the fuck their parents is at. I don't see no motherfucking paparazzi. You know, Mike would have came out, he would have had to save us and at least give us a ride on the mo- fucking roller coaster or make us sit in the movie theater or something. He got to moonwalk for us. He got to do something and then send us home. But we wouldn't want to go home. And the plan was perfect, except for the fact that we'd never exchanged numbers. I don't know how the fuck we forgot that. That's like a major part. Like, how are we going to get in touch with each other over the summer? And two, we, I mean, we, it's not like we even had a map. I, child, I don't know. We watched too many Disney movies is what the fuck we did. Disney movies will make any child think that any adventure that these children could accomplish in this movie, you can accomplish too. And damn it, if fucking Five-O can go west and 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 you can have homeward bound with the fucking animals finding their way home, how the fuck a bunch of fucking animals find their way home from West Bubblefuck all the way back to fucking Arizona? I don't know. Or Montana or wherever the fuck they were from. I don't know. My point is then damn it, me and Melissa, we was gonna make it happen. And so seventh grade on the first day of school, I'll never forget. We we got we saw each other. We started laughing like I I never I never got your number, girl. 
Yo, Melissa's boss. That's my bitch. Melissa Montalio. Y'all can say that because I thought she wouldn't even go fuck. And also, also, by that time in seventh grade, we had already moved on. Let me get to this documentary though. You know, let me take a break because I need to take a break because I'm about to really go off. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. Chapel's Corner. Shit, I ain't take a break on this podcast in a while. This, this, this is going to be a long one, people. <laughs> All right, we're back from break. And when we last left off, I was discussing the Michael Jackson documentary, Leaving Neverland, and how pissed off I was about it. As far as I'm concerned, both young men are technically washed up. I feel like as much as far as they're like, I'm not saying that you're not doing anything now or working. I'm just saying I feel like, um, their five minutes was during the time they knew Michael's children, any commercials they might've did, which one of them did a Pepsi commercial. And then of course, some of them were working with, one of them was a choreographer working with NSYNC and a lot of other different people like Britney Spears. And then the other one went into directing and whatnot. Right. And now I just feel like, um, you're speaking now at a time when, According to records and whatever, Michael is dead. You know what I mean? He can't speak from the grave. He can't defend himself. That's one thing my whole life I've always been um, extremely adamant about. I'll never forget working in an office. Very quick, short story. And there was this girl there and her personality was one of like just quirky and upbeat. But like, um, I don't know. She was younger and maybe a little bit more naive, but people were a little bit more serious. So it might have just rubbed everybody like she's she was okay but she was a little annoying okay but she was okay like i mean even she was annoying to me like she's she was fine and so one day she was out from work and then one guy in particular because her name came up started going on well she doesn't start talking about you know certain ways he felt about her so i didn't appreciate it i turned around and i just said you know what i'm like she's not here to defend herself so how about you just you know, you should bring that back up when she's here, knowing good and fucking well that he wouldn't, you know, a lot of people say a lot of stuff when you're not around because they know you're not going to be around to defend yourself, you know, and I know that this is a situation where, so I feel like it's extremely cowardly. I hear what you're saying and believe me when I tell you, I am a child who has been a victim of molestation. I'm not ashamed to say it because over the years, especially um, growing up, I've had friends who've either shared with me first or I shared with them first that, you know, the, the, what I just explained that, you know, I was muscle or they were, and we were able to bond through that. And that's how I learned that it's more actually, it's more common than people think. And that's how they learned as well. Like, they're like, wow, oh my God, everybody that we both opened up to and share and that I said it was women and two male friends of mine who ended up coming out as being gay later. When we shared that with each other, we both were like, do you know you're not the first person or the second or the 10th person that I've actually, sh- or whoever I shared it with that explained to me that they've been through the same thing. So I don't want to come off as somebody who's just like ignorant to the fact, but I know for a fact, like my abuser and my attacker, honestly, like there's no way that I have this, lo- I mean, I know there's Stockholm syndrome, but bitch, Stockholm syndrome is like. Maybe if you was in a bunker for like 15 years, hashtag Kimmy Schmidt. And even Kimmy Schmidt didn't even have no, you know, your abuser is your fucking abuser at the end of the day. It's either you love or you fucking hate them. You know what I'm saying? Like you can say you you felt bad for them. You can say at some point you went to therapy and you forgave them. But at the end of the day, this is this the motherfucker that abused you or abused your child or not? And I just feel like when I was watching the documentary, I get this feeling that there was a lot of laughter in the beginning. Like, 
The most pain I seen from one of the boys, in all honesty, was when they would talk about the dad. And I know the dad passed away. But I mean, like, when you're talking about these instances with Mike, supposedly you bent over, you spread your butt. I mean, I mean, it's laughable. There were times I had to pause the fucking thing. I threw my notebook. I cursed. I got to go get the notebook. I also threw the pen before I threw the notebook. Where's the pen? That's even harder to find. Finding a pen is similar to finding like a needle in a haystack when you throw it. I don't know where it went. It rolled under any fucking thing. Find everything. I bring it back. I'm supposed to do the pen and the fucking book a dozen fucking times and pause the shit more than that. You know, it, it, it's a it's a four hour and some change documentary in total. It might have took me like damn near fucking nine hours to watch just because of how upset I was. But I said to myself, I refuse to report or talk about it until I watch it. I don't want to be that person. <clears throat> I call bullshit on everything that they're saying. You know, I hear a mother who says that um, her son was in Australia and he grew up there. He loved Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson came and they inter- entered him into a dance contest and that number one prize was that he they could meet Michael. Unfortunately, he was too young. But at the same time, because he was such a good dancer, they let him participate in some part of the show. And so Michael had ended up coming out and he got to meet Michael anyway. And Michael says to them, were you at the show tonight? Which the mother said, yes, we were. And then he says, Oh my God, if I knew after seeing the boy dance and everything, he said, if I had known, I would have asked him to come on stage with me. And she says, immediately as a momager, I was just like, um, oh my God, oh my God, wow. So I said to him, um, well, we have tickets to tomorrow night's show. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 of course. Basically, basically you, 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 were, you were in it, you know. And this is the same mother who later on left her husband behind, who was mentally ill, took the children and came to America, which... Ended up destroying him, the husband. He ended up later on committing suicide and all that. I mean, her mother was devastated. Everybody was devastated because at that point, she literally, her older son even said it. It was like she she left her older son behind too. He was old enough to take care of himself. But he said at that point, she was not the mother that he remembered growing up with. She was more or less determined. He said determined to... um, chase after this new life and a new life would be the American life and I noticed that every single time that Mike did say come spend the weekend supposedly I'm not saying he didn't have children over but supposedly all the time he's like have um come spend the weekend or come spend a week it was always the mothers um that went along as well and every time they explain the trips they're just so oh my god it was just so like this it was just so like that and i was like listen 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 to me america if you're listening to me if i supposedly was swindled like they claimed they were swindled right and i later found out that this man not only was supposedly a man that molested children but my child came forth after like all these years later and said listen mom like i lied to you i didn't i was ashamed i was embarrassed i didn't want to tell you but he did do something to me um i'm furious you know what i'm saying like i'm livid i'm seeing red like the last thing i mean i couldn't remember every nice thing that you did for me but at that point like i just would feel like one another failure to my child you know what I mean? Like, I would want to make it right for them in any possible way, knowing that I could never make them whole again. But, like, if I'm talking about you, I might talk about you in a respectful way, so I don't, you know, like, I'm just, it's disrespectful. But I don't know that I would gush about you so much, as much as these people were just gushing about him. 
And in the gushing about him that they just kept on doing that I just happened to notice. I'm like, this is your fucking abuser. Bitch, I got exes that I don't like or whatever. Not all of them, but like, you know, exes that I don't like that. You know, it's, you know, they didn't even do um, worse things. You know, like, you know, they probably did worse things or not. But at the same time, like, if I'm talking about them, you know, I I don't necessarily gush. You know what I'm saying? Like, the first thing would probably be like something bad. If I think hard enough, I will remember something good. I'm not an idiot. I know it wasn't all that bad. I'm just saying by that time, it's just kind of like, you know, the bed was made what it is. These people are still, um, oh my God, it was, everything was so wonderful. Everything was so magnificent. You could tell that they got addicted to the lifestyle. You know, one of them, the mothers, the one for the, uh, you know, I can't even tell at this point. I would say the one with the, the, who's like more or less like the brunette who was dressed in all black, not the one uh, who was from Australia, the one with the more American mother. She said that um, after the trial, I mean, the first incident of him being charged with child molestation and him settling out of court. Remember, now her son was one of the boys that testified. And so she said after that, this is when she reveals that um, not only did Michael Jackson give them a loan for their house that they had bought but also the father was repaying it back and so i would i was i don't consider it as paying them off at all i just probably just think of it as like <clears throat> thank you for supporting me or whatever he paid off the loan and debt so she said she was technically they was technically living on his camp that's the words that she used we was living on his camp you know and my husband was paying him back but he forgave the debt is basically what she said and so I hear all these generous things that he did. And then I hear all these weird things that he did. But that's just so Michael. You know what I'm saying? Like, we already know that. Like, he went over to the house and he would want to spend the night over there sometimes. Sometimes he wanted to be regular. Sometimes he didn't want to sleep at Neverland. Sometimes he wanted to sleep in just a regular house. that was a little bit smaller than his. But I get the understanding, especially from the mother who's from Australia, that she just got very addicted to the lifestyle. So much so that she broke up her own daggone family. You know what I'm saying? And came over here to the States. And, um, I beg the question every time, you know, I know these kids wanted to do what they wanted to do. And I know at times they were in school, but I'm like, at what point do you say to him, even if you thought he, he, you know, it would, at what point do you say, well, they uh, school or something like that? Cause I, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was in seventh grade, my home ec teacher, cause that was like the last year they had home ec in my high school ever. And I don't think they ever had a home ec in home ec since my home ec teacher who was from down South, she kept telling me that I had really great features and that I sh- um, should or could model for, for children's clothes. That's what she was saying that she knew people. And so she put a call in and then, um, she sent off some pictures and off with my permission and my mother's permission, we're not even thinking things going to happen. And so we got a call back literally to uh, model for gap. And so my mom gets the call because I'm under age. I'm in seventh grade. I'm only probably like 12 going on 13. And so my mom's like, Nope, school. And I'm like, no, you know, and, and, and she was like, yeah, no, but, and it was an agency that that's what it was. It was the agency who was connected to people. That's who our friend was. And she just was like, and so, you know, that's just what it was. Like my mother just kind of shut it down. Um, <clears throat> nobody offered her a million trillion dollars, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure she knew that the company was some, you know, it's like some people's just like, listen, right now, just worry about school. I never really heard these parents saying so much about school. It's just like, well, he asked us to stay. So we just stay, but you know, good and fucking well, you know, what strikes me as odd is supposedly if this was so harmful as you say it was, 
You know, you know damn well if it was anybody else with a regular income who's the same age asking you to stay the weekend and let your son stay over the night. And you know, you know, you know, you would have said no. So that proves already that the fact that you allowed it is because of the money, the stature, the environment, the ambiance. Don't give me that shit, bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you you gotta be real about it. You know what I'm saying? And and and, and to me, it's just like they're full of shit. Even the boy said we'd fall asleep together. When I wake up, he would be in another room, and it hurt me until I asked him to start staying with me in a room. So, as in the beginning, at some point, the boy says. You know, it, it, you know, we would fall asleep after playing so hard and all that they would knock out when he would wake up, Mike wouldn't be there. He'd be in a completely different room. On top of that, this room that they keep saying that these kids slept in, all, you do know that from what the boy said with his own mouth, there was a bed on top of his bed and a stairway, a small curving stairway that led upstairs to that bed. That was literally right on top of his bed. And I'm sure his, <clears throat> his room was bigger, but I'm just saying... He later on says, um, you know, he begs his parents and um, his parents better than the state. Now, I want to talk about Macaulay Culkin. Fuck these whack-ass little bullshit-ass boys. I want to talk about Kyle. Yo, why I want to talk about Macaulay Culkin is because as far as I'm concerned, since I was a kid, that's the only child that I valid, that every single kid in the world validated as fucking boss. So when we saw him hanging out with Michael, who kids, like I said, in my days in the 90s was like, yo, Mike fucks with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the illest collaboration ever. Michael Jackson and fucking Macaulay Culkin was the best thing that ever happened. If he's just stuck with Macaulay, I promise you, like, nothing. I don't know where these bullshit ass families came from. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure he was lonely. And I'm sure he needed help. But I'm pretty sure that after a while, these families got jealous of other families. Because from what I heard the one boy say, before I get back to this Macaulay Culkin thing, is when the other boys and the other families started coming around, he started to get jealous. And the family started feeling like they got pushed out. And the mom even used at one point that after he got married to Lisa Marie, and he called and said, I won't be able to see y'all as much. She said, well, she went to her husband and was like, we just got dumped. How the fuck you got dumped? Mike ain't going to be able to hang out with you every single motherfucking day, every fucking year for the rest of y'all lives straight. But back to Macaulay Culkin, who's a real MVP. Yo, you the real MVP. They said when it was a 2008 new trial that he single-handedly, as a witness, shut the fucking prosecution down to the point that it was probably like one of the best testimonies. That's probably like the, in my opinion, only and best friend that he ever had from, like that was a kid that knew him from young that fucking always kept his word. That's the only person I ever trusted. You know Macaulay Culkin is fucking thug because of fucking Home Alone. But you thought that was a joke? You saw his attitude. He played the fuck out that role. If if he left alone and the family even behind, as much as he should burn that shit down and say fuck the family, he's still going to hold the fucking crib down. That nigga going to kill. He, he took two out. Not once, but twice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Fuck a Home Alone 3. I don't give a fuck about no Home Alone that Macaulay Culkin was not in. And so at the end of the day, like, I respect that. Because that's, in my opinion, that's the only, as far as, like, male supporters. He had the other two families come out. Like, the two boys, I think they came out the second trial, too. According to the documentary, they said that they was even there 
at the Neverland Ranch eating with him and the family the night before the verdict came in. So they said they did come out and, and supposedly help again. So I'm like, bullshit. I just call, I just call bullshit on everything. Then the one mom had the nerve to say that when he passed away, she was um in her bed like, um, she was in the bed laughing, thanking God, thank God that he's dead because he won't touch another. This is the same. This is the same woman that I was talking about that he gave them the loan for the crib that they was trying to pay back, and then he ended up giving them the crib for the. She's like, y'all, you know, get the fuck out of y'all. Wash the fuck up. Y'all ain't got shit to do. You waited about n- close to nine fucking years after the man died, so you could just sit there and just try to capitalize on something. I looked at both of these men as far as their like background and their like um history and anything and they're technically actors now they're technically considered even actors and i'm looking at both of them and it's bad acting because when you're talking about your abuser you you try they're trying to sell you stockholm they're trying to sell you i loved him so because i loved him i spread my ass cheeks some bullshit like that but the truth of the matter is it's not it's, it's bad acting is all the fuck that it is. Because the real emotions come out when they talk about real shit. Like when my father killed himself. Or the last time I saw my father. Because his mental illness had got so bad. He was wandering down the streets. Getting on buses. Going to different places. And we had to go out looking for him. It was embarrassing. And it took a toll on me. I wanted him to go back home. <clears throat> the day that I told him that he killed himself. And basically he even admitted after that. He just moved on. But you could tell that every time the kids talked about. Their dad. And you know, like, you could tell that that's a hurt. I guess, he, I, I get it. Your father passed away, you're hurt. But I'm also looking at the guys like, if you're talking about something that happened to you, did you like it or you didn't like it or what the fuck? I, it was a, not only that, it was fucking boring. That was boring. The most boring documentary. I told you it took me almost nine hours to watch it. And honestly, I almost gave up because... It was slow. It was dragging. I didn't trust it. It was getting me upset. I was tired of chasing the book. I was tired of chasing the pen. But you know what? I said, I refuse to say anything on it until I finish it. And so I did. But I just quote bullshit on I just quote bullshit on everything that they're saying. I hate coward people that can't say nothing while the person is alive. Why you ain't say something then? You had two opportunities to even not testify to help them. But you did. And each time, supposedly, you either got something or you said, supposedly, you saw him again, you started to feel good. One of them even said there was an American child. I'm, listen, one of them said one day he called on the phone and said, do you still have the shorts from last night? You got to do Mike, don't talk like that. Y'all, 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 they reaching like a motherfucker on this shit. I'm not a fool. I'm just not going to believe that, man. I'm not going to believe that. Like, he gave me memories like Moonwalker, the movie, you know. If it wasn't for Michael releasing Invincible, my crush wouldn't have walked back into the store I was working at, the music store. I remember he was looking for the CD. He had already left to go to college and came walking in. And I said, well, what's up? What you looking for? And he said, he's looking for the album. And then I was like, yo, I'm so hyped that it's coming out. And I started going into how big of a fan I was. And then, of course, him too. And so we had a listening session at my house, which I'll never forget. But my point is, um, you know, Mike, Michael is Michael. Michael writes songs from his heart. The songs that he writes are about the world, the earth, war, peace, women, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, he 
writes about shit that don't nobody even be thinking about. You know, what about us? Leave me alone was a big one. You know, there's just just too much. It did like him being with kids is not even the worst one. They had ones where they said like he had bones with the elephant man. They he sleeps in child. You don't even know this is this is it. So when I was listening to everything at first, I just started to approach it like the like a family member would. Like I'm over it. I'm tired. I don't want to entertain it. But now I'm just like. <clears throat> Let me see what the devil's doing. So I went on demand because I didn't catch it when it came on on the original air dates. And it was there. I hit play. And, you know, that was that. So I'm just, I'm not interested. You know, I don't believe that he's dead. But even if he was, you know, like T.R. said, dead men can't speak. And I don't appreciate anybody, you know, talking in a way about people that can't defend themselves for any reason, whether they're handicapped, whether they're not present, and you know they they could be present, like you're intentionally taking advantage of the opportunity because they're not present. I'm not impressed. You know what I'm saying? Like you could have said things then. You're saying that you could finally say things now. I'm, I don't know that it's Stockholm. Like I said, even as a person who's experienced that in the past, like I just, I just don't believe, I'm just not buying it. I don't buy it. You know, I just, I don't buy it on so many levels. I'm so tired. I'm so over it. You could clearly see that it was money. You could clearly see that every time it was money. Even when the kids left, they had money. I feel like when other families came into play and other boys came into play and other families came into play, families got jealous of other families. That's it. I don't know. I'm just tired. But I do know one thing. I was watching... A scene there when they said that he was not guilty the second time around when he was acquitted. And there was this white woman outside the courthouse, honey. She looked like she was a a rich white bitch from California. She had to be because she had a cage and she had like blonde hair and like this great tan and awesome white teeth. And she was just smiling and crying And from the case, she was releasing white doves. She released a white dove for every charge and count that he was acquitted for. And when I saw that scene, I started crying like a little bitch. And I was like, go, white bitch, go. I said, hell yeah. I was like, I mean, I know people was clapping and cheering, but I just really appreciated that white woman for doing that. And she just made, she just showed me just how trill it was to release some fucking white doves. And so now I'm inspired to just get some white doves one day and release them into nature for any fucking event. You're graduating. Is your fucking birthday? Like, what are you doing? Are you having a baby? Is it a baby shower? Is it payday? Bitch, how much is a dove? That shit looks so trill. And I'm going to make sure that I wear, like, the best outfit when I do it. Because it's just, like, it's amazing. Forget butterflies. Because, you know, there have been people who got butterflies and try to release them shits. And by the time they open the lid to release them shits, they died. And the total effect is gone. <laughs> so, like, I'm not, I need a dove. Some shit that could breathe through the cage. Fly. I just got to find out how much is a dove. Whatever. I don't care, man. She just, oh, I I was living for that. <laughs> so, yeah, these guys are the worst actors ever. You know, 
um, with the with the house, you know, you know, they just Macaulay Culkin was the only one. I'm tired. I just I don't even want to talk about this anymore. I'm, I wrote like four pages of scribble scrabble because I was so upset, and all I keep saying is Macaulay Culkin, man, that's the one. Damn, I respect him. You know when he gave us home fucking alone. I don't give a fuck what nobody say, man. Macaulay Culkin gave us the map and fucking home alone. I'm telling you, man. That's what you need to be watching if you a damn kid. And I know motherfucking Dora, Dora the Explorer. Ain't nobody got time for that shit. You want your kid to be a boss, show them home alone. Nobody got time for that shit. Anybody got nothing for no crying ass babies. Shit. These kids today, motherfuckers, for fucking two robbers come today. Ah, not Macaulay. This nigga got booby traps. Shit, niggas that get that motherfucking goonies. I don't want to hear nothing. I'm, I'm slipping through this page. I say, what is important? I talked about the woman with the doves. <clears throat> the Jacksons' family. I expressed that. What's this? I was so mad when I wrote this. I can't hardly read what the fuck I say. Oh, leave me alone. Yeah, I already mentioned that song. Yeah, I did it. Oh, I made it through. <laughs> Praise God. Now, I really thought I was going to be here for like three hours with this. I can't. What is this? Yeah, Macaulay Culkin. I got his name on every damn page. Oh, Johnny Cochran was his lawyer on the first one when he settled out, and um, that's it. But I don't. Be- I just don't. I just don't buy. I don't get real feelings of I was hurt. I get more feelings of um, I miss the way things used to be. Not necessarily because they touched my child or not, but because and I and I and I and I get that people are in denial about the fact. That they were there for the lifestyle, that they um as much I mean come on I don't care how grandiose of a scene or ambiance you've ever been in, when it's Michael Jackson I'm sure it's amazing and it's the same thing that goes with this R Kelly situation I just feel like even if they these families and these parents weren't around a Michael Jackson type setting I still know for a fact that compared to where they came from if they came around or if they were ever invited to his house for a dinner or somewhere. That it was a certain lifestyle. And I say it all the time. A lot of people cannot stand going from sugar to shit. So for her to say he dumped us. You know, I mean, think about what you're saying. I just said it to you. If you know for a fact that you wouldn't even, even if you thought it was right or wrong. And I'm not saying that Mike did anything. But I'm saying even if you say now that I should have never did that. You know good and fucking well. If it was the average person. Let's say it was your next door neighbor who was an old ass man retired or 45 years old and still working and not retired yet or 39 years old and still young and whatever this whole life is ahead of him my point is if they said to you hey send your son over for three months or whatever you know you know what i'm saying anything that mike was saying you wouldn't have did it every person was in a position where their child was trying to be famous and on even the mom said when he said listen were you here tonight yeah i was oh if i knew I would have let him come on stage with me. Oh, we're going to be in the marshes. The mom and Jeremy immediately said, yeah, I mean, you're thirsty and you want to go. You know what I'm saying? So there's a part of them that's not necessarily admitting uh, the, I would have rather been there, you know what I'm saying? Or keep this relationship going for as long as I had to, you know, as as long as I, you know, you're not, there's certain things that people aren't admitting there. And I just, and I just feel like that's just disgusting, especially the woman that said that she was, she was so happy when he died. I'm like, that's so distasteful, you know, like, this is so terrible to say, like, I'm the type of person, I don't know if I could even say that about anybody, 
But even if I felt it, I um I would honestly my I would be so ashamed. Even if my mom would hear me say something like that, it would be very very like it hurts me to even say that because my mom would be so disappointed in me to say to hear me say something like that about someone even because it's not appropriate to say. You know what I'm saying? Like even if you felt that way, it's just not right to say. So I feel like when she said it to it, when she said it out loud, she admitted that in my heart. To me, it showed her heart, which is like. Um, someone who even right now is probably still vindictive and just trying to get over or trying to, you know, get revenge. You know what I mean? And so automatically now you're no longer genuine to me. You know what I mean? Because you spoke straight out from your mouth what was in your heart. You're very, very vindictive. And you can say it's because you believe that he touched your child. But the way she said it almost with a smile, you didn't even say it with no because of the way, you know, it wasn't even like a hurt and pain in her face. Like Mm-mm, when I think about my son, all the, the different ways he described it to me, she didn't even say it like that. It was just like, I'm so happy that he's dead. I'm so happy that he's dead so I can talk all this shit right now because if he wasn't dead and I was talking all this shit, I'd probably be slapped with all these lawsuits. Oh my God. Shut the fuck up. And also, <laughs> something else I wanted to say. Charlie horse face bitch. <laughs> I don't like it. <clears throat> so tacky. So tacky. So tacky and cowardly. I don't respect it. You know? I don't respect it. It just doesn't make sense. And then even if you thought him um like the mom said, Oh, when he told me, she said when she said, When he told me, this is the same mom that was laughing about it. So when he finally told me what had happened, she said, I went up to him and I hugged him and I said, do you want to get some help? And I said, no, bitch, you're lying. You're, I know you're lying just off of your response. Nobody, no mom would say that. Most people would be like, oh my God, are you serious? Why didn't you tell me? How long was this going on? When? When I dropped you off? Was this the first time? I know my mom. My mom got, my mom would have like a thousand fucking questions. There's no way she would just hug me and the next thing she says to me is, do you want to get counseling? Like, I, I mean emotionally detached parent or not that's extremely that's a very weird response i don't believe that you know i don't i just don't i just don't um i just don't believe that and also i i, I don't believe any of the shit i just i think it's disgusting actually at the end of the day that's it that's all i want to say i had to get off my chest i didn't want to i didn't want to face it i didn't want to face it but i said you know what you can't you know uh just let Uncle Mike down like that. You got to take the time to sit down and watch it to at least speak on it to support him. And at the same time, be respectful to the piece of shits that fucking participated in this nonsense by taking the time to watch it before I commented. That's that's the only respect that I could have gave him, that I took the time to watch it. And so the next thing that I'll be doing is watching Oprah's. After leaving Neverland, it was supposed to be like the interview. That's the one that got everybody upset. I don't know if that's going to be today, later on, or tomorrow. But I will be watching that. And I'm sure um, Oprah's just going to skyrocket my blood pressure a few points. But that's it. Long live MJ. I still feel like he's alive. I listen to his music, even though you always used to say you want to live through his music forever, which I feel that he do. I listen to his music and I get chills. I, I listen to his music and it's different than I, like, it's always great. But like now it's just like, you just, it just feels like he lives in it. <clears throat> it's so different. And I always make sure that every time I do hear a Michael Jackson song, 
whether it's at the beginning, at the end, or wherever I am, if I have control of that volume button, I, I really take the time to turn it up and really appreciate it and listen to it. And of course, I just celebrate still. So um, I think Michael was probably one of the first ones to, the first R. Kelly's or something like that. And and even our, I think Mike's situation was technically worse than R. Kelly's because you want to say R. Kelly's touching underage girls, but they said he was touching children. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the underage girls are children, too. There's always a technical motherfucker in the audience. That's why I always got to clarify myself. There's always somebody be like, well, technically, a 14-year-old girl is a child, Chapo. I get it. All right? But my point is, <laughs> baby's like seven, eight, bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what I mean. You know, but his was worse, I feel. You know what I mean? As, as compared to teenagers who are experiencing puberty and probably things of that nature. So... That's all I wanted to say. I don't care how crazy I sounded on there. That somebody got to speak up for the bra. I ain't got time. Then Corey bullshit ass Feldman. It was a, I think Corey Haim died or is Corey Feldman who's still alive? I can't remember. Whichever Corey is still alive, he used to ride with Mike. Now he's running. You know, Corey, you need a check. Everybody needs a check. I keep screaming that shit all the time because, you know, they tired. They're like, well, how can we get a check? The families are. We all got together and said, well, how are you going to defeat it now? If I was Jermaine or Tito and them, and I was watching these niggas, like, took the time to watch it, if they even care, I would be looking at them like, I told, I know I would be sitting there like, Yo, I told Mike to stop bringing these two motherfucking families around. I told Mike, ain't nobody gonna give you more trouble than these two motherfucking families in the future. Please get rid of them now for your own sake. They listen to me. No, it's the same way Kunta, um, not Kunta, Shaka Zulu brother, tried to tell Shaka, you know, get the white man out of here. Stop being so friendly with them and stop letting them in here. The first group of white men was supposedly friendly. They told Shaka that they could make him immortal by writing uh, about him in something called a book. They was trying to explain to him what a book was and if they wrote about him, which to this day Shaka is, is, is talked about. You know what I mean? But that's what they meant. Like when you put something down and you write it down on a paper or something that people want to write and read for, I mean, read forever. And Shaka wanted the white man around for that because he was very narcissistic. Shaka very wanted so much to somebody to write about Shaka, write about me. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what they did. And so eventually they, they these uh, naive, well-wishing, well-doing, well-meaning white men in the beginning went back home, like most explorers do, like Christopher Columbus and them, and report their findings. And in giving back the reports of the findings of the land, these people who were way smarter than these little naive, uh, I guess they was missionaries at first because they were trying to sell Christianity and all this other stuff. Um, they said, uh, let, you know, well, let's go back. Now, they sent back a different group later. And on the deathbed, um, Shaka made his brother. He said, listen, I'm dying, but promise me that you're going to let the white man back in. His brother said, listen, I told you a thousand times, the white man's not good. Don't bring the white man up in here. He said, listen, I'm on my deathbed. You know what the rituals is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, you don't, you don't, it's law. You know what I'm saying? That if I tell you something about deathbed, that you got to honor it. And so he did. And so you know what happened after that? You know what happened after that because look where the black people is. is in America. Okay, that was one of the first ways the white man got in. Shit. I want to hear shit. I don't know how the fuck I got a Shaka Zulu. 
But that was a great little Black History thing that I should have brought up last month, don't you think? <laughs> black History Month is every day. That's it. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I don't know what they're doing to the black man. Oh, third. well, look at this. this is, I told you it was going to be a long one. I'm going to break it from now. I'll see y'all later on tonight or tomorrow. Chop, what's going on?